tonight on Huckabee, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, America First host Dr. Sebastian Gorka, comedian Keith Alberstadt, U.S. Army veteran and country music singer Ryan Weaver. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Welcome, everyone. We are very, very happy to have you here. I know that you are aware that this weekend marks 20 years since Islamic radical terrorists flew airplanes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And they would have flown a fourth plane into the Capitol or the White House, except that the passengers on that plane wrestled the controls from the hijackers, and the plane went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 3,000 innocent people were murdered in the space of just a few minutes in a cowardly attack that shook the nation more powerfully than anything since Pearl Harbor. One of the reasons the events of that day are seared into the deepest recesses of our souls is that we saw it play out on live television. Some of the images, especially of desperate people jumping from the towers to escape the fireball of the airliners exploding, or the soot-covered people in business attire stumbling away from the collapsing buildings. Quite frankly, they're images that we can't unsee. We all remember exactly where we were that day, and we remember what we were doing when we saw those planes hit. Like the JFK assassination, for those of us old enough to remember it, or the Challenger explosion, There are moments in our lives where an event so stunned us that time seemed just to stand still and we had to catch our breath from the sheer shock of what our eyes had told us. In the hours, days, and weeks following 9-11, America was unified and united like nothing I had ever witnessed. Flags flew everywhere on office buildings, residences, even cars, and no one took a knee, no one. Members of Congress from both political parties stood together on the steps of the Capitol and sang a hymn. Churches were filled with people praying. Young men and women put aside their studies or their lives and enlisted in the military. America was at war and we were united. Here's what didn't happen. People didn't divide along lines of race, gender, political party, or sexual identity. No sane person blamed America or systemic racism or white rage for what happened. So if we really were a racist, imperialistic, evil country, surely we would have been told that by members of Congress back then. But we weren't told that. You know why? Because we weren't an evil country. And I want to tell you something. We aren't an evil country now. We just aren't. Are we imperfect? 
Of course we are. But we are still the best place on God's green earth. In the last few years, we have allowed America-hating academics and outright Marxists tell us that we're all racist. We've had frightened CEOs of big multinational corporations get down on their knees apologizing to total strangers for some symbolic repentance of sins they can't even recall or name. And we've watched otherwise responsible corporate boards pretend to be woke and demand that their employees get instruction in some nutty nonsense called critical race theory that only serves to divide people when there is so much to unite us as a people blessed by God to live in a nation where color isn't what we're about. Character is. And that's the beautiful message that we once had from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And it's never been more needed than it is now. 9-11 was a slap in our face. And it was a rude awakening to the real evil in our world. An ideology that hates America, hates freedom, hates equality for women or people of color. That's the ideology that attacked us. And it remains a threat to our freedom and our way of life. Ultimately, the battle we face then and the one we still face now, folks, it's a spiritual battle. And will the Judeo-Christian framework that we were built upon remain our foundation? Or will we surrender to a fanatical worldview that believes women are property who don't deserve education or identity and that killing innocent people for a political cause is perfectly okay? I say instead of apologizing for America, we ought to unapologetically affirm our love for America. And no better day to do that than a day which reminds us of who we really are. We're Americans, and we're proud of it. Twenty years after the worst terror attack in American history, when 3,000 people lost their lives in New York, Washington, D.C., and Pennsylvania, are Americans any safer than we were? We need to forever remember the horrors of 9-11 so we never see something like it again. To help us with that, please welcome back to the show former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor, this day, 20 years later, I'm sure still lives in your soul uh, perhaps more than any other American, because it was in your city where the worst of it happened. I, I, there are memories from that day, uh, Mike, that I can't, uh, I can't even, you know, if I bring them back, I just finished a couple of days of, you know, meeting with and talking to all my, all the people that work with me, and we reviewed a lot of, a lot of things I didn't remember, hmm. things I had shut out of my mind, like. Uh, I, first thing that really hit me about how terrible this was, I saw a man, as I was approaching the fire department command post, I saw a man jump out of the 100th floor. Hmm. And I watched him, and I said to myself, I can't even think about this now, I gotta think about it later. And then I saw about four or five other people do it, I had forgotten that. Wow. I, I actually blocked it out for the last 20 years, and then I was talking to one of, one of the police chiefs that was with me, he said, Mayor, you know, we even commented on it. I said, yeah, you're right. I just had blocked that out. 
But I mean, the city responded to it brilliantly. I mean, I don't, people ask me, would we have the same spirit now? I mean, immediately the flags came out. Yeah. And the firefighters put the flag, firefighters put the flag up. It looked like Iwo Jima. It gave you the sense, boy, these guys are going to fight back. No, we're not going to sit back and take this. And then every place you go, I, I, I went up uh, West Side Drive with President Bush. They were all cheering and yelling for him. And this is a democratic stronghold in the city. I told them, you know, Mr. President, these people didn't vote for me or Governor Pataki or, or you. <laughs> but look at this. They're all, they're all, they're all one now. And unfortunately, I don't know that it would be that way today. A lot of people have said that we're kind of like living a September 10th mindset all over again as if it never happened. And, and I'm particularly struck by what you just said. There was a spirit of patriotism across the country. America was one. We were all together and we recognized that we as a country were attacked. And a lot of those people in that building, you knew them personally, firemen and policemen oh, who gosh, died that yeah. day. Mayor, you knew those people. This was not abstract. These were friends of yours. And how did you separate no, 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 your no. I, I, feelings? I, I... I mean, I lost a lot of a lot of friends uh, in that building, uh, and people that I was I just saw like 20 minutes before Father Judge, who taught me how to taught me how to explain to people death. I mean, the first first firefighters who died, I was the only mayor about two months, and we had to go to the house of one of them and explain that that her son was dead. And I said, Father, how do I do this? And he just said, Just hug him and tell him. Uh, that it, it, they were wonderful and heroes and said, if you walk in as the mayor, you don't know who you are. Hmm. <laughs> to them, it'll be something very special. And then just do what comes natural. And he used to guide me through that because I, you know, it, I was a lawyer. I didn't have any experience in telling a mother her son is gone. Hmm. And we lost him. He was the first, he was the first body we found. And I felt like I, I, have, to do this all, I have to do this all by myself now. I don't have my crutch, Father, Father Judge. The way I did it was I just said to myself, you can't think about that now. If you think about that now, the people of the city are watching you. Now you break up and start crying, the whole city's gonna start crying. Mm. You gotta talk to them honestly, you gotta let them know how bad it is, but you gotta end every press conference on an optimistic note. And I had a great city behind me, but it's much worse today, uh, uh, Governor, than it was I mean, what, what Biden did in the last four weeks has made this 20th anniversary hell. Mm. I just finished talking to my deputy mayor, Rudy Washington, who was a hero and actually got seriously affected by the smoke down there, lost part of a lung. But he said to me, I have to make a statement. I was interviewing him on radio. I got to make a statement because I'm, I'm brokenhearted. It's like we're back where, we're back where we used to be with uh, the Al-Qaeda working with the Taliban. And we got a president that's already gotten 13 people killed. We don't know how many more he's going to get killed and he leaves people behind. It's disgraceful. Well, Mayor, one thing America saw that day was something we long for today, and that's competent leadership. You provided it, not just for New York City. Mayor, you provided it for the country. You were uh, one of the rocks that this country was able to look to. And I know it's a tough weekend for you, but I cannot think of anyone I'd rather have speak to the people of America than Rudy Giuliani. And well, I want to you. say thank you for reminding us, not what happened, but what America's all about. 
And I want to say for our audience, mm -hmm. I hope you'll keep up with Mayor Giuliani. You can follow him on Twitter at Rudy Giuliani. You can get his Common Sense podcast at RudyGiulianiCS.com. Right now, we're going to let Keith Bilbrey's Common Sense uh, take hold and what we have coming up tonight. Well, coming up, former Trump cabinet official Rick Grinnell, then laugh out loud with Mike's in case you missed it. You're watching Huckabee. Huckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow AdGov Mike Huckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. Rick Grinnell is a longtime diplomat, State Department official, U.S. ambassador to Germany, most recently served as acting director of national intelligence under the Trump administration. Now, as this situation in Afghanistan continues to unfold, a lot of Americans still can't seem to get out of that hideous country. And the U.S. State Department might be to blame. For some insights on all of this, please welcome to the show a good friend and a great guy, Rick Grinnell. Thank you, Rick. Thank you so much. Amazing. This week... Uh, Jen Psaki made a comment, and it was just stunning. She was talking about how the Taliban was professional and businesslike. I'm thinking Tony Soprano is professional <laughs> and businesslike. I'm not sure the Taliban is. When you heard that, how'd you react? As we come up to 9-11, to hear comments like that, it's so discouraging for those who fought to keep us safe. And I know, I know you know this, but the reality is every single man and woman who fought in Afghanistan, who went there to make sure that we were protected, that terrorism didn't come here, they did their job. Yeah. They won this for us. It's the politicians in Washington that have messed it up at the very end. And I, I think- You're absolutely right, 100%. And President Trump handed President Biden a stable Afghanistan, a functioning U.S. embassy. And I, I know that when you talk to the Taliban, it can seem a little bit controversial. Both presidents spoke to the Taliban. For me, it's not so much talking to the Taliban, it's what does the Taliban hear mm. when they're talking to each individual one. And when President Trump spoke to the Taliban, he was very clear. He said, if you reconstitute, if you take over a city, I will wipe you off the face of the earth. They believed that. When the, Taliban, when the Taliban talked to Joe Biden, they actually didn't hear that same thing. They started to take over city by city. Pretty soon they took over the whole country and there was no pushback. And I'll tell you, for me, it's the difference between a threat of military action and a credible threat of military action. Mm. That, that's a good distinction. You were in the State Department a long time. These are a lot of people that you know. As an institution, it seems like the place has become shredded. And we've heard so many reports, Rick, that the hindrance of getting Americans, Americans out of Afghanistan was the State Department would tell some of these volunteers who were going over there at their own expense to get them, the State Department prohibited them from getting the planes in and the people out. Can you even come up with a reason 
as to why that would have ever happened. It, it's totally unacceptable. And I can tell you that most of the State Department, if not all, were coordinating this from Washington, D.C. Because don't forget, on July 1st, they closed Bagram Air Base. They left the diplomats there. They took away the U.S. soldiers, 2,500, 5,000 NATO soldiers. They took them away, but they left our diplomats. I, I have to say, and I say this very cautiously, that our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, should resign in disgrace for sitting in a cabinet meeting. Mm. For sitting in a cabinet meeting and allowing a decision to be made to remove troops without his people, State Department employees, being evacuated first. When that decision was talked about in that cabinet meeting, he should have leapt over the table and said, you can't leave State Department officials there. You know, you were the director of national intelligence. A lot of our audience may not realize the significance of that position, but that meant you directed all of the various intelligence organizations, CIA, NSA, FBI, everything that had to do with intelligence. From the time you spent in that position, tell me, are you concerned about America's vulnerability? Are we getting back to the place where we're more like a September 10th America than a September 11th America? Such a great question. Um, I think it's a very thoughtful answer that I would have to give. What I would say is you can be very proud of many of the career intelligence officials who are doing great work and watching 24 hours a day so that we never have another 9-11. I am concerned about the way the politicians and many in Congress, what they're doing to our intelligence system, they're scaring our, for, our officers into not speaking up because they want to trap them. I, I say this whole Russian collusion issue. Now, look, Russia is a problem. Yeah. China is a crisis. Mm. And every time we hear people saying, Russia, 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 look over there at Russia, they are giving you the Beijing line. China loves that mm. because they're over here not being watched. And that's what keeps me up at night. Rick, you got to come back. Uh, thank you so much for your service to this country, for your friendship, and also for the steadfast way in which you have been a great American. It is an honor to have you here. Well, thank Promise you, so you'll come back I and be with us. I definitely will. This is such an amazing set and experience. So well, congratulations. Well, we want you, you back. Now, if you want to keep up with Rick Grinnell, and I know that you want to, you can do it on social media at Richard Grinnell. It's right there on your screen. We're so grateful that he's been with us. Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us about some of the fun stuff that we have coming up tonight. Keith, I'm going to let you just go ahead and break it out of the bag right now. Well, coming up, funny news stories with Mike's in case you missed it. Later, country music singer Ryan Weaver honors 9-11 heroes. Stay with Huckabee. We have so much fun in here, and part of the reason we do is because we have the amazing music of Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Absolutely. Give them a hand. 
From a man who would kill for a Snickers bar to a town that gives new meaning to pot belly, we got the news that you're going to find hard to stomach on In Case <laughs> You Missed It. Well, if you think forcing people to wear masks outdoors is taking COVID paranoia a little too far, you're right. But this may be even worse. A TikTok user posted a video of her sister taking her little niece to a park and making her wait while she wiped down an entire play gym with antibacterial spray. Oh, wow. Yeah, the little toddler was amazingly patient through this cleansing of the great outdoors. But I get the feeling that this kid spends a lot of time standing around waiting for <laughs> things to get disinfected. I mean, if she's like most toddlers, she killed time by eating dirt. Absolutely. She did. Good dirt. Good dirt. Yeah. You know, I used to ride around on my bicycle behind the mosquito truck that would fog. Mm -hmm. You know, did you oh, ever yeah. do that? Yeah. Well, my dad ran a service station, and if a diesel truck came, I love the smell of diesel. Mm. And I'd stand behind it. It's what made us what we That's are today. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know. Next, we turn to the smokinggun.com for a couple of Huck's criminal masterminds. Police in Iowa City, Iowa answered a disturbance call. They found 19-year-old Kyle Clark and another man yelling at each other. They say that Clark tried to walk away when he saw the police. Well, they noticed his stomach appeared to be bulging. Then they found out why, when after they handcuffed him, a large bag of marijuana fell Ooh, right out of the front of his shirt. Mary Jane, right Mary there. Jane, yeah. Now, this gives new meaning to the term pot belly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But of course, in true Bart Simpson fashion, Clark told the cops, hey, that's not mine. Uh-uh, uh, -uh. uh -oh. Shockingly, that line didn't work. Why do I get the feeling that there used to be even more pot in that bag? I could be. I yeah, bet he'd used a little of the product before uh -huh. that happened. Yeah. Anyway, the only way to top that is to go to Florida, because police in Clearwater say that Eric Mento entered a convenience store, pulled out a folding knife, and demanded that the clerk hand over a Snickers bar. <laughs> he allegedly said, don't make me do something stupid for a Snickers bar. <laughs> Wow. Too late, man. Too late. I wonder what he would do for a Klondike bar. I don't know. Anyway, a Snickers bar isn't much of a payday. Oh. I mean, at least demand a hundred grand bar, right? Uh-huh. Anyway, but the clerk didn't snicker. No, he was scared for his life. And he handed over the Snickers bar, which, Keith, this is crazy. Mento left behind the Snickers bar on the counter. This guy is now facing felony armed robbery charges for allegedly stealing a Snickers bar that he forgot to take with him. Uh, well, I, let me ask you, did he have a pot belly? I bet he did. I bet he, I'm, I'm counting I was on thinking it. at the end of the story, it probably had that line that you see, and police believe alcohol may have been involved. Could have been, yeah. You think? <laughs> anyway, police didn't believe his excuse that he was trying to trade the knife for a Snickers bar. I would suggest that his lawyer claim that he just wasn't himself until he had his Snickers bar. Makes sense, yeah. That would have been sense. the way to do it. Well, I do think we need to end on a heartwarming story this week, so check out this amazing photo. This is a giant heart formed by a flock of sheep. 
Australian farmer Ben Jackson couldn't go to his Aunt Debbie's funeral because of COVID travel restrictions, so he created this tribute tour with sheep. That's wow. sheep there that you see. I mean, what better way to say, I love you. E-W-E. E yeah, right, right. But he did it by placing grain in the ground in the shape of a heart, then releasing his sheep. And I was thinking, wow, those Australian sheepdogs, they're really good. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm starting to feel a little sheepish about inflicting any more jokes on you, because some of them might be bad. So before we do end that this... But do that again. I might. Yeah. Wow. Before we end this and you start saying, bah. First Next, one was better. Was it better? Yeah. Well, that was bad. Yeah, there you there go. There you go. Okay. Just remember this, folks. We read the news. So you don't have to. Next, Dr. Sebastian Gorga. Then the comedy of Keith Alberstack. More Huckabee is on the way. Welcome back. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is a counterterrorism expert and a former deputy assistant to President Donald Trump. As Afghanistan continues its descent into utter chaos, what was it all for? Americans paid the price in both blood and treasure over the last 20 years, only to turn the country back over the Taliban, who gave safe harbor to al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Joining us now is the host of the America First program on Salem radio stations all over the country. Please welcome back Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka, great to have you here. Great to be here. Before, before we start, yes. can I steal a second? Yes, So of I course. had President Trump on my radio show recently, uh -huh. and we honored him with this product to memorialize his recent rally with his famous phrase, if you're, if you're woke, woke, you're a loser. I love it. That's and, <laughs> and this is the first T-shirt outside of President Trump oh. that somebody receives. Thank you. And because I know she's traveling a lot before she becomes the next governor of uh, Arkansas, my former White House colleague, this is for her, America uh -oh. First. Thank you. With the stars and stripes Beautiful. inside. So that's and for Sarah. And it's about to get cool enough that she's going to need right. this out on the campaign trail. I appreciate you're that. Welcome. Thank you very much. All right, let's jump into what's happening because your work in the White House, you dealt with the foreign desk and what was happening around the world in terrorism. It worries me that we have just turned Afghanistan back over to the very people that we tried to get out of there because they were harboring the people who did 9-11. So let's be clear what happened in the last month in the world. Biden surrendered Afghanistan. This wasn't a withdrawal. This wasn't a retreat. This was a surrender. Right now, the people who harbored bin Laden as he was planning September the 11th are stronger than they have ever been, have $83 billion worth of our taxpayer-funded equipment. And this is unclassified. Right now, Al-Qaeda, the global jihadi movement, is swarming back into Afghanistan. And the jihadis are stronger, Governor, 
than they were 20 years ago. That's really frightening as we think about that it was 20 years ago. We haven't had an attack of that scale on our homeland in 20 years. So we've been successful at keeping the battle away from our shores. The thought that we would have more of this. And potentially bigger. Bigger, that is, is stunning. And there are reports that Bagram Air Base, which was such a strategic place for us that we just walked away from, that China may take that over. What happens then? Bagram was the only strategic air base in the whole region. More than 20 acres in size, two full runways, able to park more than 20 C-17s. We left it. We, there is no such thing. I, I've got news for Joe Biden. There's no such thing as over-the-horizon capabilities. You can't fly a UAV from Nevada to Central Asia. It doesn't work. Yeah. And nobody in that region wants us to land our capabilities, which means we are blind and we are unable take out the next Al-Qaeda. China already owns the biggest copper mine in the world, which just happens to be in Afghanistan. The Taliban has our weaponry and has, has new allies like the biggest communist dictatorship in the world. This is really frightening because it means that you've got the Chinese Communist Party now making deals with the Taliban to get the resources, but more importantly, to have the strategic location of Afghanistan and to launch whatever they wish to launch against the rest of the world. China, Rick was absolutely right. China is the only strategic level threat we face. I learned this in the White House when I got the clearances, read the presidential daily briefing. But there's something even potentially more worrisome in the short term. Afghanistan is next to, next to Pakistan. Pakistan has never functioned as a normal state. The ISI, the intelligence services, the Pakistan military are theocratic. They, they supported the Taliban for decades. It is a nuclear power. They've always looked at Afghanistan as their rearguard area. Now they may be tempted to use their nuclear weapons against India. And if there is a nuclear shooting war between India and Pakistan, there is nothing we can do to stay out of that calamity. 9-11 shows for us the apotheosis of our civilization, the greatest civilization in the world, Christianity. Why? Because firefighters, policemen, chaplains, office workers went back in the building to save people they didn't know. That's mm. Christ. That's dying for the other. That's what 9-11 means to me. Mm. The other... The, the, Powerfully the, said. The, yeah. other, the other lesson that is even more important because this administration doesn't understand it. Evil walks the earth. Man is fallen. Evil exists in our heart, and we must always have the courage to fight it. The Taliban are murderous, and this administration thinks we can deal with them? Mm. We have to crush evil. That is the lesson of 9-11. It's a great lesson, great reminder. Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Very glad to have him with us tonight. And we want to remind our audience that if you want to check out the Gorka Reality Check on Newsmax and America First on Salem Radio, you can do that, and you should. And you'll also want to check out what Keith has for you after the break. Keith, tell us about it. Well, next, stand-up comedian Keith Alberstadt, then country music star Ryan Weaver. You're watching Huckabee.
Our comedian tonight is from right here in Nashville. He now lives in New York City. I mean, that's the opposite way most people are moving. He'll have to explain that. You've seen him on The Late Show with David Letterman, The Last Comic Standing, and other major TV shows. And he regularly entertains our troops serving overseas. Would you please welcome the very funny Keith Alberstadt. Thank you very much. It is great to be back in Nashville. I am originally from here. Uh, moved to New York City several years ago. Uh, that was a huge adjustment. I learned real quick that a lot of people in New York, they don't care about stuff if it doesn't affect them personally. Like, for example, I have asthma. All right, nobody cares here either. All right. That's fine. After one asthma attack, my own friend rolled his eyes and said, come on, man. You got to get that asthma under control. <laughs> get it under control. I'm not addicted to asthma. <laughs> I don't think you know how this works. I don't have willpower and a sponsor. I have an inhaler. <laughs> a lot of people in New York take themselves very seriously, some more than others. I was at a restaurant, heard a guy at the table next to mine, asked the waiter, excuse me, of all your wines, which one is most robust? I turned and said, sir, we are all impressed. We are also all at Applebee's. <laughs> There's a tricycle on the wall. Why don't you try and bring that down a notch? Bon appetit on your jalapeno poppers. I want to thank Governor Huckabee for pronouncing my name correctly. Alberstadt nailed it. That doesn't happen all the time. A lot of people see my name for the first time, they freak out. Ten letters long, one of them silent. Sometimes they try to pronounce it, they make up letters that aren't even there. <laughs> Aberslax, all-star bat, nobody's trying. <laughs> but I've learned to have fun with my name. I have learned that customer service reps, they have to believe anything I say. I'm the customer. I was once at an airline ticket counter, gave her my confirmation number. She said, welcome aboard, Mr. Al Albert. Al I said, it's Jenkins. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, it says here, Albert. I know it says Alberstadt. It's pronounced Jenkins. <laughs> she did not skip a beat. I'm so sorry, Mr. Jenkins. When they type that long without looking at the screen, here's what they're thinking. I hope you like your bags going to Seattle. <laughs> My first name's Keith. Not exactly a strange name, but sometimes I get called Kevin. I introduce myself as Keith. Apparently, some people have a little voice in their head that says, I bet you he meant to say Kevin. Some people give you unnecessary explanations for their name. You ever hear them? I met a girl once, she said, my name's Marielle, like the Little Mermaid, but with an M. <laughs> All right. What'd she say before that movie was even out? 
My name is Mario, you know, like holy mackerel without the CK or the holy. I said, my name's Keith, like what you start your car with, with a TH at the end. Well, this past year has been something else. Right before the pandemic, my wife gave birth to our beautiful baby girl, and she is awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. She's, she's awesome. She's such a great kid. And it, I realized that you reprioritize stuff in your life after you have a kid, like your health, for example. You do. Like, for me, it's coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. Got to cut back on that. Somebody suggested green tea. They said green tea is a healthy alternative to coffee, and it improves your memory. That is very true, because whenever I drink green tea, I quickly remember why I don't drink green tea. That's a nasty beverage. Green tea's a fancy name for hot, dirty leaf water. Why is it so hot? You ever order, you ever order a green tea? Cools off after four days. What is the chemical makeup of lawn clippings where Magma cools faster. <laughs> I am addicted to coffee. It's a coffee addiction. It's not just a caffeine addiction, coffee addiction. A lot of people don't get that. I heard a grown woman say this once in a coffee shop. She said, I don't drink coffee, but I drink tea. It's the same thing. <laughs> no, it's not, lady. You sound crazy. That's like saying, I don't watch TV. I got a sock puppet. That's how insane you sound. You sound like you're out of your mind. Like you collect used Band-Aids and put lipstick on your cat, you weirdo. <laughs> Another thing I realized during fatherhood is how much you appreciate your own parents. Everything they did, everything they went through, more than ever before. Uh, my parents went through a lot. My dad, he hated the fact that I had asthma. Hated it. But it wasn't because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> it was because I was so sarcastic with my chores. Mow the grass? Yeah, I'll do that, Dad. Let me grab my oxygen tank and my allergy mask. <laughs> I'll start the mower. You dial nine. <laughs> when you see me collapse, hit one one. Ready? Break. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a thrill to have you here. We need some it's, laughter right it's, now. Uh, it's good to but be you got to explain. Everybody from New York is moving to Nashville. You went the other way. I know it was a few years ago, but what was it that got you from Nashville to New York? Well, it was it was comedy. Uh, that was uh, yeah. <laughs> I started off in Nashville. And I was working the road based out of Nashville, but then, you know, I had to go where uh, had to go where, where a lot of the a lot of the comedy was going on. So that was New York. Well, let me tell you something. Comedy's going on here every week. We <laughs> want you to come back anytime I'll, and every time you can come. We love you here. Please come back and be with us again. I would love to. Yeah. And to find more great comedy videos, Keith's albums, and his tour schedule, so you can see him in person. Maybe you should book him for your corporate event. Visit KeithComedy.com. Follow him on social media as well. Now, we got another Keith over here. 
I don't know if he's key with the TH at the end, but he's going to tell us how we're going to wrap this show up tonight. Go that ahead. perfect. You got it just right. Coming up, country music star Ryan Weaver remembers 9-11 heroes on Huckabee. Welcome back. Ryan Weaver is a former active duty Black Hawk aviator in the United States Army. Two, give him a hand for that. He served us all. Two heartbreaking losses made Ryan's family a two-time Gold Star family after both his brother and his brother-in-law died in combat. Today, as a country music star, Ryan uses his platform reminding us of the sacrifices that have been made to keep America free. We have loved having him before. We welcome him back to the show, Ryan Weaver. Thank you. I'm impressed. The T-shirt that you are wearing tonight is pretty special. It has the names of all of those 13 that died in Afghanistan. Yes, this is uh, the shirt is from Grit Gear. Uh, it's a um, all-American made. The shirts are all-American made. 100% of the proceeds go to the, fa the families of the fallen. Uh, our heroes should be honored. And that's exactly what we're going to do with it. I mean, this is up close and personal to you. Your brother, your brother-in-law, both killed in combat. You served in combat. Tell me what you're, what you're thinking as, as we come to 20 years from 9-11. Um, I think that the, the one thing that is burned into my mind is the 13 times that the president checked his watch when flag-covered caskets passed mm. in front of him. Mm. Um, I've been on the receiving end of that twice. And uh, to bury your family members and to have those mothers and fathers watch the leader of the free world who made the decision that caused that to happen, um, that, that was, it was it's really difficult for me to, uh, to understand how the person who is supposed to be leading this country together in unity uh, could do something like that when I saw it. And that, you know, that's, it's not a political statement when I say that because it has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with the heroes that were under those flags. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The song that you are going to do tonight is, is very powerful. It's very emotional. It's called Never Forgotten. And it features Rich Miller from the New York Police Department and a, an amazing story about a flag flown at ground zero. Tell us, how did the song come about and uh, the story of the flag there? So let me start with the professional bull riders. Mm -hmm. One of the last times um, that you and I were on stage together yep. was your very first arena performance ever, if, I'm, if, if that's correct, and your daughter came in. Yep. Um, before I answer that question, I, I've got, I, I want to, I got something really cool that I, I, I would love to, before we get serious, I would love to bring out for you. So Governor Huckabee performed with me on stage inside Bridgestone which Arena. Which was awesome, by the which way. Which was awesome. And we have... Oh, wow. Look at that. Man, that is cool. 
That was such an incredible experience. Thank you for yes, this. Yes, absolutely. So we, we got this incredible picture of it. But um, wow. I wrote the song with my brothers and the families of the fallen, our heroes in mind, our law enforcement first responders, military, and of course our border patrol with the law enforcement community. Yeah. They, they need to be honored without question. And I was, my first show in 2018 was Madison Square Garden where Rich Miller, mm. who at the beginning of the video tells a tale, that, or his, he recounts raising the first flag over the frozen zone. So everyone knows about the, the firefighters, the, the picture with the firefighters in the flag, that was actually outside the frozen zone because all of the um, pictures and videos inside the frozen zone couldn't be released until the investigation was done. So no one knew about this story. No one knew, Rich had never gone to a major media outlet and told the story. But as if, I mean, just an amazing, amazing human being, a family member to me, I asked him if he would tell the story and we would take that story across the nation, honoring our fallen law enforcement, first responders and military and border patrol. It's an absolutely inspiring, incredible story that he tells at the beginning of that video. And I'm so glad that you're gonna perform the song from which that uh, was birthed. I want our audience to get connected to Ryan Weaver. Y you'll want to. And get connected to his amazing music. You're gonna love the song. Keith Bilbrey is gonna tell all the folks at home how they can get Ryan's music. And after you hear this song, you're gonna want to. To get your copy of Ryan Weaver's music, as well as his concert schedule, go to ryanweaver.net. And now performing with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection, Mike on bass, here's Ryan Weaver with his 9-11 tribute, Never Forgotten. I walked in towards between building four and five, what was left of them, uh, towards the uh, sphere. And I said, Chief, uh, if you get me two firemen with a ladder, I'm gonna put a flag up for our guys there. And so as I'm reaching out to put it through a, a hollow pipe, uh, the flag started to unfurl itself. And, and uh, I, I heard a, the fire battalion chief yell out. Reason! Oh! You know, these guys were foreign military and it was important for them to see a flag. It was a heavy hit on this country. You know, and, and it was a heavy hit with us. You know, it's, we, were New York, we were New York City. can't forget those we lost. Standing alone, I imagine your face. And smiling when you said goodbye yesterday. Let them 
stories in stone Thank you.